What if you knew your animal better than anyone else, including your vet? What if you knew where to go for information covering a variety of different topics that allow you to choose the care you would like for the furry member of the family? What if this information can be found with even more ease than ever before? Get ready to listen, share, and question what animal care used to be and where it can go. Now, here's the host of Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show, certified animal chiropractor, Dr. Andy Harper. Welcome, welcome to Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show with me, Dr. Andy, your host. I am an access consciousness facilitator, energetic magic with animals practitioner, animal chiropractor, and animal wizard. And I am here today, as I am every Monday, to empower you to know what you know about your animal. So today, I'm training with my special guest, Rachel Laurie. Um, Rachel's on the line. Hi, Rachel. Hello. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about her a little bit, and then we'll actually have her talk here. Um, but today, um, if you have a question about your dog's behavior, if you happen to be live, call on in. We'd love to chat with you or come into the chat room at 8 um, go to the chat room at the top of the page and find out how easy it is to join us. If you're with your dog, issue with your pack, need some change in your household, um, maybe get a few tools today before you call in the reinforcements, which Rachel is the reinforcement, so we're going to go over um, her credentials, her philosophy, and get to know Rachel a little bit. Um, and so, like I already invited you, I'm going to invite you again throughout this hour to share your stories, your animals, ask some questions, and join us on this radio adventure. And when you do call in, you can call in the U.S. at 815-880-8255. In Canada, it's 13-800-8736. In the U.K., at 033-0001-0625. You can always Skype them in at 82zen.fm, and then, like I said, chat them um, on the web, www.a2zen.fm. Pick the chat room. So before we get started, let's everyone expand out as big as the room they're in, as big as the state, as big as the country, as big as the world, in all directions, forward, back, up, down, both sides, as big as the universe. Oh, and now we'll ask all our animals join us. And what would the animals like the world to know today? So my special guest and good friend Rachel Laurie is a certified professional dog trainer. So CPDT-KA and a member of the Association of the Professional Dog Trainers, an AKC Canine Good Citizen Approved Evaluator. And she did graduate from the Rocky Mountain Regional Dog Trainer Academy right here in Lakewood, Colorado. Um, hi, Rachel. Hi. <laughs> so let's go over yours really quick because I know I spent a lot of money on my letters um, I'm sure you spent a lot of money on your letters so certified professional dog trainer means what in your world um, so that means that I was recommended by another certified professional dog trainer um, and I took a test um, and I had to have proof of training hours and teaching hours um, so yeah, that's what it means. Okay, <laughs> that well, I, good. I have that's proof that I've been teaching and training, and I passed pets. So, because that's not required here in the state of Colorado, correct? No, it's not required. But I just really felt like I wanted to um, 
proved to myself that, you know, I was qualified to be helping people um, train their dogs. So um, I did it to go above and beyond so that I'm serving um, my clients the best that I can. Well, and I, and I ask and I point that out just to give people some reference points when they are talking to other trainers if they're not talking to you before they hire one to work with them and their dogs. That you, you might want to look yeah. for those letters. You might not, I, you know, but that's what those mean. Um, so, Rachel, is the owner um, head honcho, head bottle cleaner for <laughs> a good feeling dog training? That is your business. And you can reach yeah. her at 720 720- Two one nine four seven seven five. You can email her at Rachel R A C H E L at A G F Dogtraining dot com. The website is A G F Dogtraining dot com, and then there's Facebook, a good feeling dog training. Did I get all that right? Yes, you did. All right. Okay. Now, um, so we have a handful of people in the chat room. If anybody has any questions? Fire away. Um, where do we want to start, Rachel? I have some. I have some stuff. Did you have anything you wanted to go over right off the bat? And I know I just put you way on the spot. Ha ha. Um, so I'll just tell you a little bit about uh, my my philosophy, um, the yes. way that I train dogs. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I am a positive reinforcement. Um, I like the term force-free dog trainer, and what that means is that um, I use scientific proved methods to train dogs um, that do not require any sort of force or um, manipulation. Um, I train the dog to um, be motivated to do what I need them to do, right, Um, with the use of food, toys, praise, um, pets, all that good stuff. So um, that's the way that I train because I don't believe that um, it's necessary to use any sort of intimidation or pain. It's just not necessary, so... Yeah, and we've had um, Anna-Lara on the show before, and she's also talked about positive dog training and and all of that. So what does positive dog training mean to you? Because I love it when different people explain it in their own worlds, and then sometimes that clicks with different people that didn't quite get it the last time, you know. So what is, I mean, you went over your philosophy a little bit, but positive dog training or positive reinforcement, a little, let what does it really? What does it mean to you? And I know it's not. It's, go ahead. I know. I know what I yeah. want to ask. But it's not coming out of my mouth. <laughs> um, so what it means to me is I'm that, a trained oh, professional. Okay. <laughs> um, so positive reinforcement training on the whole concept of of not forcing your dog to to do anything. Um, what that means to me is that I get to have a wonderful relationship built on trust with my dog. Um, if it feels yucky, I don't have to do it. Um, I don't have to yell at my dog. I don't have to force them to do anything. We can work as a team um, to get to the final product of a behavior that we're looking for. Um, and I think it's it's so empowering to know that um, you don't have to um, force your dog to do anything. You can really convince them to do what you're looking for. And, and in turn, you just have this beautiful relationship with your dog. Um, and I think it just kind of opens up a lot of doors as far as relationships with human beings as well. Right? I think that uh, positive reinforcement is not just for dogs, it's for people too. And I think that if you can kind of cross the bridge and have this wonderful relationship with your dog, um, it, it just opens up doors um, with relationships with everyone in your life. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. And I know um, Rachel is talking about the scientific proved methods and and 
but I want to tell everybody, Rachel's probably got the most intuitive, like, dog sense that I've met in a long time. Like, she's just, that's, you know, like, even when she talks to her own dogs, Sunny and Tiva and other dogs, it's like, all right, this is what we're going to (laughs) do. You know, like, there's nothing else in her world. Like, okay, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. And the dogs kind of go, oh, okay. (laughs) So I I just wanted to mention that, that... You have all this training and you have all the all of this knowledge, and that's so awesome in in your in your toolbox. But um, who you be is amazing with the dogs. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, and I was on your website earlier today, and I, I read your philosophy, and and she's got a great um, website. So you also teach a bunch of classes. I do, yeah. So I teach group classes in Lakewood, um, and I teach agility. Um, as well as just basic manners classes. Um, so I teach a basic manners class, a leash manners class, um, a recall class, and a self-control class. So I really break it down, and, and I, try and, I try and address specific problems, right? So if your dog's really well-behaved but they won't come when called, take the recall class. Um, if you're looking for um, just a fun relationship builder, agility is an amazing way to improve in a relationship with your dog. So, yeah, I really I try to break it down so that... Um, people can get exactly what they're looking for. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, get people to train their dog to heal if they have no plans of competing in competition obedience. So um, I'm, I'm really trying to cater to what people are actually looking for as far as behaviors from their dogs. So recall meaning when you go off to the dog park and you call their name, they actually come to you? Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's such a wonderful feeling. You call the dog and they turn and they run right to you. It's great. And then everyone's so impressed. Wow, you're such a well-trained dog. <laughs> I'm laughing because um, even if you have a dog or have a dog, go to the dog park and see and watch people try to collect their dogs. Um, if you need a good laugh, um, and then hand them one of Rachel's cards. <laughs> yeah, I'm and sorry. I think we I think make, that people we shouldn't make fun. So well. but, Right, hmm? they so well that they're just misguided. They you know, they think that they have a well-trained dog, and then they're faced with this really distracting situation. I think it's humbling, right? People realize, like, okay, my dog is not as well-trained as I once thought, and I think that's okay. Good information, and and take it and run with it, right? And really teach the dog what you're actually looking for, so you don't have to be frustrated. See, simple. Um, and part of that is the situation. They may may always come on a hike when it's just you and them or another dog, but put them in a situation with 15 dogs, and they're like, woohoo, having way too much fun. Yeah, yeah. They want to play, but mom's calling. They want to play, but mom's calling, you know, yeah. Right, and, and I so think I, that, you know, in the recall class, we cover that, right? We We cover how to teach the dog that coming when called doesn't always mean that the fun is over. Right? If you ah. show up, you may get to go back and play with the other dog. So it, it, ah. it's, it's so fun to see the light bulb go off and the dog be like, oh, my gosh, coming when called is so cool. Right? And and that's really what it's about is convincing the dog that doing what we're looking for is rewarding for them, to them. Beyond just making mama happy, like they actually use food. Like you said, maybe they come, but then they get to go back and play. Like what right. are oh, some of yeah. the... So so I love to use whatever is reinforcing in the dog's world, you know. So a lot of times playing with other dogs is really reinforcing. So, you know, we set it up so that when they come when called, 
not only do they get a food reinforcement and praise from mom or dad, they also get to go back and do the very thing that's so fun and enticing. Um, so I, I really like to empower people to look at that, right? Like, have you always been calling the dog away from the really fun thing? If you have, it makes plenty of sense that the dog's not going to show up, right? Because you you show up, the fun stops. Especially if you grab the dog and put him in the car and take him away. Right, right, exactly. Right? So, I mean, like, well, why... Yeah, I mean, why I wouldn't come over either. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, and I think that once, you know, once the people can understand, like, where the dog is coming from as far as their behavior, they're like, oh, my gosh, wow, okay, so this is kind of on me. Like, it is. You know, it's your responsibility to, to teach the dog um, how wonderful doing things, you know, such as coming when called can be. So, Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and and like you said, in that dog's world, like I've uh, truly, none of my pack has that problem. They they all just come. So I don't, I've never had this recall issue, and I know so many people have. But they they right. they, they already think I'm pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think that you so are you've got to know your relevant. dog. Yeah, right? And, you know, and there's definitely some breeds that are, you know, less inclined to but I think that um, in, in general, it's, you really just have to look at um, what is reinforcing to the dog and how can we use that to our advantage, right? And it's not always yep. other dogs. People can be really, really reinforcing, right? So if you leave the really exciting person and you come to me, you may get a shot at going back to that really exciting person. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. So Tracy's in the chat room. She has a question for you. She's um, okay. having an issue with her dog about coming when he is playing with one particular dog. The neighbor's dog will jump their fence to accompany us to the dog park, but when the two dogs get together, they form their pack and neither will listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so some so some really good things to look at in the beginning. Um, if a dog does not have a reinforcement history, meaning that they haven't been taught that when they show up, good things happen to them, um, you you can't expect the dog to leave the other really exciting dog. So you want to practice when the dog is not distracted, right? So inside the house is a really good place to practice. Um, I really encourage people to use something high value. So for Sunny and Tiva, I exclusively used roast beef for training recall. Um, I made it really, really stinking worth their while to show up, right? So I practiced inside the house. I practiced in the backyard when there were no distractions. Um, and then I built up to being able to call them away from other dogs, away from deer, away from squirrels. Um, so a really good place to start would be practicing inside with low distractions. Um, when the dogs, the two dogs are playing together, Tracy, um, it would be really, really good to wait until there's a break in play, right? So they're playing, they're playing, they're playing, they both stop and they can't really heavy that would be a really good time to call the dog, right? Um, you're giving your dog the best chance at hearing what you're saying because the dog is already taking a break from play, right? The dog shows up, the dog gets the food reinforcement, you tell them how wonderful they are, and then you release the dog back to play. And in that short series of events, you taught the dog that coming when called means they get to go back and do the, the fun playing. So this, and she said he listens 98% of the, of the times, and that's awesome having them stop and actually maybe pay a little bit more attention to you instead of just calling and calling and calling where you turn into be background noise. So this other dog is just joining them. Would she also reward the other dog for coming?
living with hers, or there's I, no I other owner for this dog. The other dog. Okay, okay. So it depends. If she wants to be able to call <laughs> the other dog, sure, reinforce it. <laughs> um, and you know, calling your dog, you should really only say it once. Right, and then go from okay. there. Right, and really, um, you know, make some smoochy noises, pat your legs, be as exciting as possible, and then when they show up, uh, dish out those food reinforcement. Yeah, she, she. I get the sense that she may want just maybe both of them to come, and so you, you know, instead of trying yeah. to divvy them up, just because the the owner doesn't appear to be with. And she's actually talked about this dog with me that he just jumps the fence and goes with them. So. <laughs> Well, it sounds like she has two dogs. Yes, I think so. I think in those situations you have two dogs that you need to call <laughs> over. Um, awesome, awesome information. I always, I always love learning this. We're gonna go for, go on a break, and we're gonna come on back with um, Rachel Laurie. Many of us make choices on how to care for our animals based on how it has been done in the past or what others have always done. What would it look like to choose what your pet requires, which may be very different from what others would choose? By tuning into Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show with certified animal chiropractor, Dr. Andy Harper, you'll receive information and options you never even knew existed to improve your relationship with animals in your life. Listen to Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 p.m. Central Time, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on atizen.fm. This is Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show with certified animal chiropractor, Dr. Andy Harper, or more well-known as the Energy Wizard. To participate in the program today, please call us in the U.S. at 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also ask a question by sending an email to drandy at harpersridge.com. Welcome forward to Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show, and thank you for joining me today again. Oh, my goodness, what is going on? Thank you for joining me today. <laughs> again, I invite you to join me and my guest, Rachel Laurie, um, a professional dog trainer here in the Denver, Colorado metro area with any of your questions, any of your animals, any of your animal stories, and check out how easy it is to join us in the chat room with your question live at a2zen.fm. Click on chat room, follow the directions. You can always email me directly later at drandy at harperage.com or rachel at rachel at agfdogtraining.com. So cool. Um, One of the questions I have here is... Would you like to try a few tools before going in the reinforcements? And you are the reinforcements. When should people look at calling for some help, for contribution, for some pointers, um, or go to a class? I mean, they don't necessarily have to, you know, the big, we can talk about how you do offer privates and all of that. So what, what do you, what's your little guideline for people when they're, you know, I'm sure you never get any questions when you say, I'm a dog trainer, Right. No, never, never. <laughs> um, so, 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 some things to look at, right? Um, if you have a fairly well-behaved dog, um, but you're looking for improvements in just small areas, the dog is really well-behaved, except he pulls on leash. A group class is a wonderful option. 
Um, same thing with coming when called. A group class was a really nice option. Um, when I would guide you towards private training would be when we have a dog that is not uh, living cohesively in your environment, right? The dog is destroying things. The dog is nipping. The dog is harassing the other dog. You don't feel like the dog is safe with your child. That's absolutely when I would call for reinforcement. Um, when you feel frustrated or overwhelmed on a pretty frequent basis, that's a really, really good indicator that you should get um, some extra some extra eyes on what's going on um, so that you and your dog can live a, a happier life together. I love that because a lot of times when I've talked to trainers or whatever, we always go to the dog's behavior as an indicator. But I love what you just said when you're overwhelmed and frustrated and that and, and that may not even be anything that you can describe to someone until they're maybe in your home, with, you know, to witness yeah. what this animal's doing or what this pack is doing or how they're even interacting with the people in the household. And it may not even be able to be put into words until somebody sees it. But I love that overwhelmed and frustrated. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, you know, I, I get a lot of calls from clients and they try to describe, right, what's going on in, in their own environment. And I go... And I'm noticing a lot of stuff that even the person who lives there and is, you know, with the dog every single day doesn't notice. So I think it's, it's so beneficial um, to get someone else in to see what's going on. And, and I, you know, I foster dogs and I have a number of times had another trainer come into my house to help me understand what's going on better because I think we just we get so caught up in what's going on that we miss. We miss some really important information. I I know um under your on your philosophy page on your website um I specialize in leash manners reactive fear resource guarding so a lot I I I see a lot of people that misidentify and 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 misapply you know what even the fear is and what it could lead to a lot you know people come into my office and oh she's just you know a little afraid but hackles are up eyes are big crouching i'm like that's a dog that's not being able to handle what's going on and so they either you know possibly downplay or not see it or not realize what their animal is capable of so yeah to have you come in and look at stuff is probably invaluable to them yeah and and i think that you know there's there's a really fine line as far as you know a, a dog who is emotionally stable and a dog who is at risk for, you know, some sort of pretty drastic unwanted behavior. Fear is a very, very powerful emotion, and, and it takes a lot of shapes and forms in dogs, and I think that um, you're really doing your dog a disservice if you write off their fear. Um, you really have to look at how can I make this dog feel comfortable in, in his or her everyday life. Um, it's not about just glossing over, oh, she's just afraid. Why is she afraid? How can we help her, him or her not feel afraid? And, and I think that once we can empower a dog to do that, um, you know, there there is no limit to, to all the wonderful um, experiences that a dog can feel when they can trust, um, trust in their person, trust in their environment, um, you know, just trust the world that they're in every single day. Because a lot of them will hide behind, you know, mom's legs or whatever, and the owners almost think it's cute. But I like how you say they're not comfortable. That's not a comfortable way to go around in life and living, you know, hiding behind someone's legs, not knowing how to handle a situation. 
and and right. how much more fun in your life and your dog's life if they're empowered to go, I can stand here and do this situation, and how cool would that be? Right, yeah, and I think that I think that we forget also um, how detrimental fear can be um, to a dog's physical health. Um, carrying around that much tension and stress can can do some really, really terrible things to a dog's body. So I think it's really important to look at how can we help this dog trust but also feel sound physically. Um, and, and that's why what you do as a chiropractor is so phenomenal for the fearful dogs, right? Really getting that release and being able to have some clarity to move forward and, and learn and trust. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that's why working with dog trainers, I have a lot that I work with, and it goes hand in hand. You know, now my body feels good. Now I have some tools that I've been working with mom and this trainer with, and now I can, you know, talk, speaking from the dog's point of view, I can I can work in this world. This this may actually be a little bit of fun. You know, how cool is that? Right. Oh yeah. Um, resource guarding. I'm just gonna go through and maybe do some vocabulary for people. <laughs> Okay, so resource guarding. What is it, and how, you know, what kind of forms can it manifest as? Okay, yeah. So um, resource guarding um, is actually a fairly natural behavior for a dog. Um, you know, to to guard a resource such as food or a toy. Um, it's when it takes shape, um, and you're getting. Um, unwanted, um, over-the-top behaviors, right? So, for example, a dog will bite you if you come near their food bowl. Um, a dog will growl and lunge towards you if you try and take away their bone. Um, so when I'm talking about resource guarding, I'm talking about the, the pretty extreme um, end of the spectrum. Um, and it, it can be an absolute hazard to anyone living in a home um, with a dog that, you know, can resource guard, especially if there are children in the home. Um, so it's definitely um, one of those things that if your dog is growling when you come near their food bowl, call a professional. Um, because it's not going to get better without um, a strategic behavior modification plan. Um, so, you know, it's really important to, to recognize those things so that you can get in and really teach the dog, hey, there's no need to guard your food. Um, food is plentiful. Um, we have a re- I want a, a dog to be able to trust you, right, that they know that if you take away their food, something else good is going to happen to them. Cool. Yeah. I um, I'm going to... I have a couple little stories, and I, I just I just okay. have my stories, so I'm going to talk. Um, no, <laughs> I have a little eight-pound little wiener dog. I can take her food from her, but I can't take a bone from away from her. But I have no children, little children around, so I just let that behavior be. And she doesn't take it out on any of the other dogs. So my world, eight pounds, not a big deal. And actually, my son can pick her up and take it away. So. You know, like you said, if I had a small child that was around, I would definitely be calling for reinforcements. With her, I kind of leave it. Now, I did have a Doberman who's passed away, and we were at, he was only with us, I think, about nine months, maybe a year, and my three-year-old niece was over. Um, for some reason, my husband decided to feed the dogs in the middle of a party. Um, not would not have been my choice. Um, so the kibble is in the, the uprised food for the Doberman to eat, and I look over. She's sitting on the other side of it with her hand in the food. And she's standing there waiting for her hand to move and grabbing one kibble at a time. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God, what a good boy. I promptly moved the small child. But I am like, right. all the other adults standing around 
not paying attention. I'm like, hello. Right. <laughs> he was he was amazing. But yeah, I mean, not a lot of big dogs are gonna stand for a little toddler that he didn't know really well with their hand in his food bowl. So again, well, you I know, think that speaks really loudly about your relationship with that dog, right? That he trusted and waited for you to intervene. He did. It was so cute. Yeah. He was such a guy. I'm like, um, hello, people. Like, <laughs> so, so I just, I just, you know, it's not always a, you know, dogs do have choice, and some, you know, they're not all going to eat the small toddler with their hands in the bowl. They're, you know, but so every situation is different. But yeah, if you if you have small children and there's growling and food and 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 you're a little like, what is going to happen next? That's when you give the professional call. And get another pair Absolutely. of eyes on the situation. So cool. Let's go take another break and we'll talk more about dogs. Awesome. Many of us make choices on how to care for our animals based on how it has been done in the past or what others have always done. What would it look like to choose what your pet requires, which may be very different from what others would choose? By tuning into Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show with certified animal chiropractor, Dr. Andy Harper, you'll receive information and options you never even knew existed to improve your relationship with animals in your life. Listen to Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 p.m. Central Time, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on atizen.fm. This is Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show with certified animal chiropractor, Dr. Andy Harper, or more well-known as the Energy Wizard. To participate in the program today, please call us in the U.S. at 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at adazen.fm. You can also ask a question by sending an email to drandy at harpersridge.com. Hello, we're back with uh, Dr. Andy's Animal Magic. It looks like we're having a little bit of technical difficulty. Oh, hi, Rioja. There she is. I'm walking <laughs> away here, and I left myself on mute. How cute am I? So, sorry, everybody. I'm back. Welcome back, Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio. Thank you, Rioja. Um, <laughs> we were talking about resource guarding with our guest, Rachel Laurie, um, professional dog trainer here in um, Denver, Colorado. Um, I was talking about the 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 Doberman eating food with the toddler, and what I did want to add is what I did is I removed the child, and he got to eat. So I didn't take away his food. He was being a good boy, so he got to eat. <laughs> um, but there are a couple of questions here in the chat room. Um, Shauna asked, can a dog um, resource guard a person? Ms. Lori. Yeah, absolutely, um, and it's something that I see on a pretty regular basis is that one dog bonds to their one person, um, and which is great that they have a relationship with that person, um, but if the person has a spouse and the dog does not feel so wonderful about the spouse, that can put a huge um, 
you know, divider in between both people. Yes, the dog can absolutely resource guard a person. Um, and really what we have to look at, why um, why does the dog feel so insecure with other people that it feels the need to resource guard its person? Um, and most times it's really just kind of insecure, um, insecure behavior. So we can really get in there and teach the dog how wonderful it is when other people approach um, its favorite person in the entire world. And they've had a lot of success with it. Um, and, you know, I'm not a marriage counselor, but I've seen some marriages really take off after we really helped the dog um, not interfere with physical interactions between a, a husband and a wife. That is so cute. Um, <laughs> do you see this in little dogs more than big dogs? Yes, I do see it with little dogs more than big dogs. And, you know, I think that it, it, it can be, you know, um, breed-specific. Um, but I think a lot of times it's because I'm dealing with um, little dogs who came from um, really desirable backgrounds. Puppy mill dogs are really um, a big one that I see um, with resource guarding of a specific person. Um, so there's a lot of detoxing to do. Um, the dog who came from a puppy mill has a lot of really bad experience. Um, so it's really about building trust. And once the dog can start to trust one person and then they can start to trust their other person, um, the dog really lives a more relaxed life um, after they can kind of let down their their guard and stop guarding their person. Yeah, and is that person a lot of times the one that picks them up and out of that situation? Whatever that yeah, and, and, yeah, and sometimes people are the contributing factor. They think it's cute. Oh, the dog loves me so much. Yeah. Um, and they don't realize... Um, how how detrimental it can be to the dog's physical and mental health to constantly be guarding them from other people. And it it's really can be an exhausting job. So I think that once people can understand that, they really realize that it, it's not the dog's job to guard them. It's the dog's job to, you know, live a relaxed life um, and, and coexist with lots of different people. And and with your training, you have those tips and tools and, and, and how and what to do with all that. But in conversations I have with my my clients, um, and while I'm chiropractic, I'm not a trainer, is, yeah, if they've given themselves that job or the owner's given them a job, spoken or unspoken, um, you might want to change their job description. And sometimes that helps a lot. Like, okay, you oh, can... Absolutely. You can guard me when we go to this place, but at home you do this, or whatever it is, or no. So really take a look at if your dog has a job, if they gave it to themselves, if you gave it to them, spoken or unspoken, if you need to change the job. Right, absolutely. And I think you're so right once you can really help the dog understand hey, it's not your full-time job to guard me. I think mm -hmm. from there they can really find other fun, joyful activities to fill their time which I think is so important for a dog to have stress relief and have fun activities they get to do outside of whatever their job is. Mm -hmm. And most like having a job, too. So, you know, fun and work. You know, yeah. why not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Tracy has, Tracy has a question here. Um, she'd like to work on developing trust with a new rescue dog who is afraid in the home. It sounds like so, a, um, a big question, but... Maybe give her yeah. a couple um, so just, you know, some beginning steps. Um, one, take things really, really, really slow. Um, if you adopt a dog who is really, really fearful, stay at home. Don't talk, take the dog to a bunch of new places because it's too scary. It's too much too soon. 
um, really just take it slow in the home. Um, food is a very, very powerful reinforcer, um, and it, it has amazing effects on a dog's brain. Um, so hand feeding. Um, and what I mean by hand feeding is skip the bowl. Have the dog's food on you and feed the dog for simple behaviors, right? Walking to you on the scary wood floor, feed the dog. Um, the dog sits politely, feed the dog. Um, any sort of just small, simple, confident choice. Um, the more you can get in there and tell the dog how wonderful it can be to make confident choices, um, the quicker the dog will be able to um, trust the world, trust the home, trust you. Um, so taking things really, really slow is so important. Um, I'm a big believer in moving at the dog's pace, never pushing the dog um, to a point where it feels uncomfortable. So just staying in the home and building trust with food and just staying there is a really, really great first step. Yeah, I had a client who rescued a deaf little dog, and she brought him in, I think, I don't know how long she'd had him, but all he, since he was deaf, you know, she was working with that, but all he had to do was make really brief eye contact. He got a cookie from whoever was around. Oh, yeah. Just real brief. Oh, yeah. And so talk yeah. about little, like little glance up. Okay, got a cookie. Little glance, you know, and now he comes in and looks at you like, hey, can I have a cookie? So, I mean... And it's been, geez, I think she's had them a year now. So, I mean, it's it was. It was really slow. Really slow. Right. So, yeah. so and what if your dog doesn't eat? Thank you, Shauna. <laughs> so, if the dog is not eating, that's a really good indicator of how uncomfortable the dog is feeling. So, you know, in that circumstance, I would just um, allow the dog to be. Just a couple of days of detox, getting comfortable, and then reintroduce food. Um, you also want to look at the dog. How is the dog doing physically, right? Is the dog out of whack? Um, does the dog need, you know, a chiropractic adjustment? Does the dog need some acupuncture? Does the dog need um, an antibiotic? Do they have mange? I think we have to look at the whole picture um, and make sure that we're giving the dog all of the tools to be successful in the new world that they've been brought into. So... The key I'm hearing is everyone take a breath, relax, and go slow. Yes, absolutely, because I think that people mean so well, and they, they rescue dogs, and they want to show off their new dog to their friends, and they want to take the new dog everywhere, and you have to look at, is the dog ready for that? Um, you know, Sonny, my, my little pit bull, when we adopted him, he I didn't even know he had a tail because it was glued to his belly. <laughs> And he was so afraid of everything. And, you know, and I didn't know better then. And I took Sunny to a lot of new places. And that really set us back because all it was doing was causing him to shut down more. So I think it's so important to take a breath and put no pressure on the dog. Let the dog be who they are and be there to support them. And from there, they can really transform and, and be the happiest version of themselves. And some of that is they don't even know how to be. Right. Never, some may ever love to be a dog. Yeah, right. And I think that's something that, you know, we forget because we adopt a dog. And we're like, oh, my gosh, well, this dog doesn't even play with toys. Well, a lot mm -hmm. of dogs never got a chance to ever even play with toys. So they don't even know how. They don't even know how. So I think that allowing the dog just to, you know, take deep breaths and kind of figure out the house for themselves um, is, is really, really important. Um Dogs are not all the same. Not every dog fetches. <laughs> not every dog mm -hmm. is motivated, um, you know, by things that you would anticipate a dog to be motivated by. So I think it's, it's so important to really just <sighs> breathe 
and, and let the dog just kind of be and just kind of roll roll with the dog's pace. Um, Keisha asks, does television, radio, household machine noises factor into that overstimulation? It certainly can. Um, it certainly can. I don't think it does in every situation. Um, the thunder shirt is a wonderful tool for a dog who's in a new household with lots of scary sounds. Um, I do find that, um, you know, some nice, soft, um, calming music in the background can be really, really helpful for a fearful dog. Um, I know, Andy, that you use a lot of essential oils, but uh, yeah. essential oils are extremely powerful um, in helping a fearful dog relax even just a little bit. Um, and I think it really can help kind of take the edge off. Well, and it's going to take the edge off the people, too. So everyone's yes, going to right, go. right. Aww. It works for both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Rachel uh, mentioned the thunder shirt, and it, it it's this tight-fitting shirt, basically, that animals do really well with because it hits certain, I've heard, acupressure points. But just that 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 compression tends to take the edge off of a lot of things beyond just thunder. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, how awesome is that? Cool. Anything else in the chat room, peeps? Um, your favorite class to teach? I'm switching gears. Um, my favorite class to teach? Um, it's probably a tie between basic manners and agility. Um, I love teaching basic manners because it's, you know, these people come in and their dogs know nothing and they're, and they're fairly new to training in, you know, whatever capacity that may be. Um, and it's so heartwarming to see people transform, you know, and they have this wonderful relationship with their dog, and in turn they have all these really, really nice basic behaviors that lie down and stay that they can use in their everyday life. Um, and I have I've seen so many puppies come in with their parents, and the humans are so overwhelmed. Having a puppy is so much work, and, you know, by the end of, of the five weeks, we have a dog who behaves really, really well and people who are just beaming because they're so proud of the work that they've done together. Um, so, you know, I, I love to see that. It, it's just it's the cutest thing ever to see people come in so frustrated and then by the end of the five weeks um, just feel so good and so proud of themselves and their dog. Um, and I think from there it just inspires them to do that much more training um, because it's fun um, and they see the progress and, um, you know, they have a dog that's manageable and a dog that they can kind of show off with to their friends. Um, um, what, and then, go ahead. I was going to say, what is the, I don't, this this just hit me, what's the biggest misconception people have about training? Well, I think that a lot of people come into my basic manners class and they expect to, um, you know, learn uh a basic criteria, right? The dog has to sit, yeah. the dog has to lie down, the dog has to stay. Um, and I really, really empower people to think about what do you need the dog to do in your everyday life? Because I'm not going to teach people something that they're not going to need and something that they're not going to use, right? So I think that, you know, once people understand like, oh my gosh, I don't have to tra train my dog to do all these things that they don't, you know, I don't want to see, they get to train them, you know, specific behaviors for their everyday life. I think it's really cool, and I think that people have a, a new understanding of training um, and a new appreciation for, um, you know, training the dog to exist in their everyday life outside of sit, lie down, and stay. That's awesome. And 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 
to have you actually look at every household as being different is, is phenomenal. Um, for your classes, do you have the whole family come in or just one family member? Or I mean, it really just kind of depends, right? So um, I, I welcome the entire family to come to training. Um, but group classes, it's, it's usually hard for a family to get everybody there. Um, so, you know, I encourage the whole family to come, but I, I usually see people privately so that the whole family can be at the house and I can show everybody what to do. Um, so, you know, I love working with families. Um, some kids have been the most amazing trainers that, you know, I have ever seen. So it's so cool to see an entire family be invested in their dog's future and really, you know, want to train the dog. And then in turn, they have a really well-behaved dog, and everyone has a really nice relationship with that dog. And then when the whole family is there, everyone's on the same page. Right, right. And I think it's it's so beneficial to the dog, right? There's yes. no confusion. Everyone <laughs> understands this word means this behavior for the dog. And I think that this really takes everybody to the next level. Um, no one has to be frustrated, well, the dog doesn't come when I call, because everybody knows mm -hmm. what to do. Awesome. Cool. Um, we're going to, Shona has a question about being the alpha with their dog, and we're going to tackle that when we come back after this break. Great. Many of us make choices on how to care for our animals based on how it has been done in the past or what others have always done. What would it look like to choose what your pet requires, which may be very different from what others would choose? By tuning into Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show with certified animal chiropractor, Dr. Andy Harper, you'll receive information and options you never even knew existed to improve your relationship with animals in your life. Listen to Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 p.m. Central Time, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. This is Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show with certified animal chiropractor, Dr. Andy Harper, or more well-known as the Energy Wizard. To participate in the program today, please call us in the U.S. at 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at adazen.fm. You can also ask a question by sending an email to drandy at harpersridge.com. Howdy, howdy. This is Dr. Andy. We are back, and I'm here with my special guest, Rachel Laurie, um, professional dog trainer. Why don't you tell everybody how they can get a hold of you again? Um, yes, have any so, questions? Um, yeah, so my website is agfdogtraining.com. Um, and then you can reach me at rachel at agfdogtraining.com, as well as my cell phone, which is 720-219-4775. Cool. And where do you teach your classes at? Um, so I teach at Training with Grace in Lakewood, so it's 9100 West 6th Avenue. Cool. And so if anyone has any other questions or you need Rachel to come out to your home and give you all, give you all a hand, um, that's how you get a hold of her. Um, I have a Beyond Animal Communication call beginning tomorrow, Tuesday, April 28th. So more of that at my Facebook page, which is backslash Harper's Ridge. Do you have any classes starting? Do you have any events? What? Yeah, I what do. So I have a bunch of new classes starting in May. Um, so I have some agility classes starting in May, as well as a basic manners class, a leash manners class, a self-control class, and a recall class. 
Um, so I teach on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights, and then my website has all of the details about the classes, the costs, um, and the start dates. Awesome. So Shauna wanted to know, do you find that most people think that they have to be alpha with their dog? They do. You know, a lot of people think that they have to overpower um, and um, be the dog's boss. And I think that it's, it's, a, it's a really outdated myth, you know, and a lot of people believe that. And I think that it's such a relief when I come into the home and I tell people, your dog can sleep in the bed with you. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to yell, jerk, or hit your dog. You don't have mm-hmm. to do that stuff. I think that people are like, oh, thank God, he really didn't want to. You know, and I think that people do it out of a necessity because they think that they have to. Um, and, and I love that about my job, being able to tell people that it doesn't have to be that way. Um, you really can have a relationship built on trust, and, and you're really the dog's leader um, in, a, in a really, really um, wonderfully calm way. You don't have to yell at the dog. You don't have to boss the dog around. You teach the dog behaviors that you need to see, and then they joyfully and willingly perform them for you. I, I I always find that I I don't mind that term in my world, but I also just equate it to just being the leader and handling what I'm supposed to handle. So I yeah, you know absolutely. I never went to the have to be down and be the boss thing, but I always I always walk in with my pack like, okay, what's the situation? I got your back, you know, okay. And so I, I think it's funny how far they'll take Alpha. And then on the flip side, I see so many people letting their dog do whatever the hell they want and um, running into trouble that way too. Yeah, absolutely. And and people think that, you know, that's just who the dog is. Well, the dog destroying your furniture does not have to be who the dog is. <laughs> right? It's possible. You can change unwanted behavior. You know, you don't have to accept, um, you know, nuisance barking. You don't have to accept. Um, jumping and clawing and ripping at your guest clothes. There's a way, right? There's a way to teach the dog much more desirable behavior. Yeah, I always tell people they may own you. You may have to get up and go to work and pay for their food and pay for their chiropractic and pay for their training, but you have a say because you are paying the bills. <laughs> you know, right. so it, it's a relationship. You know, and, and, and you know how is it going to work for everybody involved? Is, is what I right, say. and that's and that's something that I say a lot in my group classes is that you know we're not just doling out food mindlessly. We worked very hard to pay for those dog treats, so we're expecting something in return, right? Mm-hmm. We're expecting a sit, we're expecting a stay, we're expecting polite behavior, and I think that that's such a nice relationship. Yes, we do work all day. Yes, we do pay for the food, so it's completely acceptable to expect the dog to behave accordingly, right? Behave politely. Um, yeah. 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 Here in um, Denver, the furry scurry is this Saturday, May 2nd, and I'm going to be down there with a booth. And so they're looking at 12,000 people and 5,000 dogs in a very small area. Um, any tips for people? Um, so one, look at is is that the right situation for your dog? If you have a fearful dog, that is not a good place for your dog, right? But if you have a really happy, confident dog, um, bring lots of food reinforcement so that you can reinforce that desirable behavior. Um, I definitely recommend getting some sort of body harness for the dog. Um, That many dogs, that many people, the dog is very likely to be pulling on the leash. Um, So making sure that the body harness is going to support that pulling so that they're not choking themselves. 
um, and making sure that you have plenty of water and making sure that you're really reading your dog. Does my dog need a break away from these people? And really honoring the fact that the dog is starting to feel overwhelmed. Yeah, it, it's it's a very interesting event. I don't know if you've ever been down there. Um, when I first I when have, I took my yeah. Yeah, and it's. I took my standard poodle, who's a very confident guy, and he was like, holy moly, what do I do with this, for about 45 minutes. And then he was done about an hour after that. Like, he was crawling under tables to hide from people and the heat. Um, right. And I just see so many people ignoring their dogs and what they are telling you with their body language and and everything when they're there. Because they're not done shopping. Yeah. Well, your dog may be done before you're done shopping at all the booths. <laughs> right, right. So go and don't plan on being there all day, right? If you want to be there yeah. all day, leave your sweet dog at home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's an yeah, amazing event. It, it raises money for the Denver Dog, Denver Dumb Friends League here. And they do an amazing job rescuing animals and, and doing adoptions. And they have the running water. And it is only till noon. And it's in the beginning of May, so it's usually cool. And it's it's an awesome event. And I actually tell people, go without your dogs. <laughs> it, it's easier really on them and you. It. Yeah, yeah, I went and I did. I did the same thing. I lost my dogs at home because I, I I feel such an obligation to them that it's really hard to focus, you know, mm-hmm. and engage with people. So it's 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 really a relief for me to know that my dogs are safe at home, <laughs> and I get to be out yeah. interacting and and helping raising money for such a wonderful cause. Yeah, I mean, with my booth, I can bring them. They can be in a kennel. They and I don't. They they all stay home. Um, right. But if you're in the Denver area, come on down, check it out, um, do the walk, um, raise the money for animals that do need their forever homes. Yeah. Anything else you'd like the world to know, my friend? Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I love um, that I question because it's everyone to know. Yeah, I just I just want everyone to know that you can have a really really nice relationship with your dog. You can have a you know a, a communication where the dog knows what's expected of them. The dog can perform behaviors, um, and it's because they want to. They're a willing participant, and it, and it's so possible. And I really encourage you to spend time teaching and clarifying to your dog what you actually want, um, so that you know you guys can live a really really harmonious life together. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rachel Laurie, owner and operator of A Good Feeling Dog Training here in Denver. And until next week, how much fun can you have with your animals? Thank you for choosing to listen to Dr. Andy's Animal Magic Radio Show. Dr. Andy will return next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 p.m. Central Time, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Until then, just how much magical fun can you have with your animals?